you will pray with me and for me. I'm going to pray with you and for you, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Does that sound good? No, it doesn't. Uh, Try again. Does that sound good? I'm the only morning person here. It's usually the way it is. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. I am just so excited to be here with my brothers and sisters, God, and and friends that I haven't got a chance to meet yet. Lord, uh, what Mandy said is so true, and uh, man, it's funny she said it, Father, because you know uh, even what's in this message. This isn't a coincidence, God. They're not here for uh, just by by random chance, Lord. Whether they ever come back again, Lord, I know that every person in this room is here for a reason, and I pray, Father, first and foremost, that their hearts would be open to what you would need to say to them or what you are saying to them, God, that they would have, as your word says, ears to eat, uh, hear and eyes to see what it is you're, you're trying to do in their lives. Uh, Father, I just, I'm just so, so thankful. And I pray, God, that um, if there's hurt and brokenness and sometimes bitterness and anger and those things that can get in the way of us hearing you, Lord, I pray that they would just fall to the wayside um, and that we would be able to clearly hear what you have to say. Uh, Father, I pray humbly. First of all, I thank you for this opportunity you've given me to speak to your people, um, your saints, and I just pray that you would help me to preach your word, that you fire my eyes, you love in my tongue, and I just give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Okay, so um, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd, pastor here. So it is funny because I actually am really excited in the mornings. I don't sleep, so this is how this works. When I lay down because I don't sleep, I feel like I'm supposed to sleep. So I just lay there, so it's like a kid, I'm like, I can't wait till the morning, when I don't have to lay there anymore, not sleeping. So I get up, I'm, kind of, I'm strange, so I start up way up here, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as the day goes, like 12, 1 o'clock, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, about 10, I shoot back up. So um, I'm in a great mood. Uh, but as you can tell, if you are a visitor here, our church, uh, they are not used to the mornings anymore on Sunday. So uh, cheer up. Um, I'm really excited. We're starting a brand new sermon series today. I anticipate this one being six to eight weeks long. It's a long one. And you're like, Todd, oh no. But guess what? You don't have to listen to me the whole time. Um, and what the idea behind conversations is, is um, you guys. It's your story. It's, it's God's story in your life. If someone were to write the book of you, uh, what, what would that book say? What would we be saying? What, would, what are the lessons God has Clearly, the overall message of the gospel has, if you're a believer in this room, has entered into your life, right? It has saved you, but the way in which God moves in your life, the way that he finds you, where he finds you, that's different. And sometimes God has taught you a lesson for the very purpose for you to encourage and teach other people within your church, and that's what this is all about. So over the next six to eight weeks, we're going to get to see and hear from you guys and people in this congregation uh, about, man, the ways in in which God's moved in their lives. And I'm telling you right now, I say this a lot. We sometimes take for granted the things that happen in our lives, right? When Moses was living his life, now, when he sees a burning bush and all that, I'm sure that was, he's like, it's probably a pretty big deal. But he didn't think that the moments in his life were that big, right? You don't think that. You don't view your life as having a powerful impact. But the reality is, it does. Your story is unique and different, and the way God has moved in your life is unique and different. And the whole purpose for him doing that, right? is to what? Build up the rest of the body. Isn't that incredible that at the same time he's moving in your life, he's going to use what he's taught you to encourage and build up your brothers and sisters. That's incredible. So that's the gist of conversation. So I hope, honestly, I say this often, if you have friends that are not believers or they're on the fence or maybe they just, they're looking for a home church, um, it'd be a great time to invite them because it's it's not just me talking, right? You're going to get to hear people Um, A lot of it in video because people are more honest that way sometimes when there's not a... But we're going to do a few on the stage live once I get my red chairs. Now, if you know what that means, I've been waiting for these red chairs uh, for the longest time. So we get these red chairs sometimes and we'll we'll have a conversation. So if I end up approaching you over the next two months, you know what it is. When I say, hey, you want to do conversations, we don't have to have the conversation again. (laughs) Haha, get it? Man, that's silly. So um, I, I truly, truly am excited today. Uh, to do this. So the only thing with it is it's morning. Hope you had your coffee or your 3D. Okay, it's hot in here to me. Uh, all the ladies are like, no. Uh, it, <clears throat> listen, I, this is important too. Guys, I have become the focus of your rage against the temperature in this room. And I want you to understand, I don't know what to do. I've literally tested it because done, we've done this for a year now. Do you understand that 65 is too cold 67 
is too hot. And 66, it's split half in the middle. Some people are mad still. Some people are happy. I don't know what to tell you. I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, it's just stressing me out. That's why people go, Todd, why are you always moving to the temperature gauge? Because some new person comes up and goes, Todd, it's cold. Todd, it's hot. I, so I pretend to go look at it so you're not mad. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, all of that, I told you I'm in a good mood. Um, because it's a video of the temptation, you're going to have the lights off. You know, maybe some of you stayed up all night for a ridiculous reason, you know, working on things. Ernie. Um, so you might have a tough time staying awake right now. Uh, but I really do encourage you to stay. It's, today's video is about 15 minutes. You listen to me for 15 minutes or pretend to anyway, right, Corey? So you might as well do it here in the video. Um, but after that, uh, we'll kind of talk and come back together and talk about what that looks like and um, what we can gather from this story. So for the first week, we're going to be hearing a guy that you, you hear all the time, AJ. We're going to hear AJ. We're going to have a conversation with AJ. Um, you know, uh, something a lot of people don't know is that AJ uh, has, is, is, it's pretty incredible when you think about where he's at now. He has zero experience with church. Zero. For the first 23 years of his life, zero experience. I'm talking none. See, some of you think in America that's impossible. You're wrong. Okay, I was one of them too. Zero experience. And now you meet him and you see, you're like, oh, this guy's on fire. He's, he's, that, you know, he's the sold out Christian. And you're like, man, he must have been doing this his whole life. That's not true. See, the problem, what actually happened is he met Jesus Christ and he was irrevocably changed. And in a two year period, two and a half year period, his entire life has changed. So uh, we're going to actually dive into this conversation a few minutes in for the sake of time. Um, but you'll be able to find his full story if you want. It won't be set up tomorrow, so don't look. But we will eventually have www.theremnant.life slash conversations. And all these stories in their full length will be uploaded on there, and you can go check those out. Um, but that alone is enough to make AJ's story pretty cool. And I don't want to build his head up because he's on camera enough as it is. But um, it's pretty amazing. And so in this story, I, I started by just talking about that, okay, in our conversation. We kind of talked about where he came from a little bit, how he, who Jesus was, because you got to understand, he'd heard of God, maybe, he didn't grow up in church, but then Jesus to him was just a guy. Who was he? He was a good teacher talking about God, right? And some of you in this room might be in the same place. Maybe you, you still don't understand. Um, but we talked about that, and then I asked him to talk to me and share some of the, talk to us, and share some of the ways in which God had pursued him throughout his life. It's pretty amazing. Had shown himself to AJ long before he would ever walk in a church's doors. And that's kind of where we pick up the story. Preparing AJ for the moment, spreading seed, uh, preparing the soil for the moment when he would surrender to God's love and give his life to Christ. And that's where we pick up this story. So, I would say the first, the first time I ever had that I can go back and say that was a seed for sure was when... Um, so when I was when I was like 16, 17, I got into alcohol. Like I love, you know, I like to drink, mm -hmm. um, and I used to just drink to to just get drunk. Like it was stupid. And um, so I was drinking one time with my friends, and I had way too much. And that was my usual thing. Like people knew me as like, watch out for AJ because like he drinks too much and blacks out. It's terrible. Like <laughs> That's it, not it, funny. It's, it's bad. Just the way you describe yes, it. and like so I. Um, Why were you drinking like that? Do you looking back? Why would you go past that point? Hmm. I think I was drinking to forget things I didn't want to think about. Mm. Things that, like, even, like, nowadays, like, I still, like, haven't processed. Like, I think that was teenage AJ's way of, like, trying to forget. Like, not wanting sense. to feel pain. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I was just curious. No, yeah, go sure, on. Yeah, it's great. So, you... um, so, I had way too much to drink that night, and that's a usual thing. But this night was different. I, you know, people, it started off the usual, you know, AJ, you know, He's acting funny. Okay, he's getting sick. He's laying on the ground getting sick, you know. Um, so I'm in the bathroom, and then um, they said I stopped. I stopped breathing. Like, I stopped. I was just, like, there. Like, kind of, they said I kind of convulsed a couple times, which is, like, and I don't remember any of this. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it, they could have been telling me something completely made up, and I would believe them because I don't remember any of this. But they, I mean, they were spooked the next day. So, like, I was, like, convulsing, not breathing. Um, they said that even like a little bit of foam like came out of my mouth and like, um, they were freaking out. Like they went in the other room, were panicking. They're like, you know, what do we do? Like, you know, do we call the cops? What do we do? 
And about a minute later, they came back in, you know, trying to, you know, say, AJ, AJ, you know, and um, eventually they said I was laying on my back and I was just calm. I stopped, I stopped getting sick. I stopped convulsing all this. And I was just laying on my back. And I was standing at the ceiling. And um, all I said was, I see God. And I just went to sleep. <laughs> that was it. Just peacefully went to sleep. And I remember waking up the next day and I was like, did I get sick? And they're like, huh, uh, yeah. And then they just told me everything. And, and I was like, wow. So that was like a, a huge moment for me. And that happened, I can't remember if it was 16 or 17. It was one of those two ages. But that was the first big moment where I was like, man, like God like intervened in my life. That's crazy. Um, from there, I kind of had a general awareness. Like I. That something was going on or something yes, more. Yes. And I, and like. I just, but I still didn't believe, like, I, I didn't understand, nor I, did I believe fully. Like, mm -hmm. it was just more like a, huh, there's, like, someone looking out for me, it feels like, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was all it was, so. Um, and then from there, you know, my friends and I, we kind of, it's funny, we kind of went on this, like, this, like, mini spiritual journey, <laughs> where it was just very, like, it was cool, because it's still, like, it, it took, it brought me to where I am now, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't, um, it wasn't as like rooted in Jesus. So I could like, again, I still didn't know who Jesus was. Like, it was just like, God, and I've heard of this Jesus guy. So, um, that was the first big moment. And then I remember, um, I think it was probably maybe close to a year later, um, sitting in a parking lot at, a, at like a Kroger at like three in the morning with, with a friend of mine. And, um, funny enough, we were actually waiting. We were waiting for a couple of our friends to come back because I went in there to get a couple of things and we were just talking about life. And then um, eventually it just kind of led to like, what is life? What is the purpose of it? And like somehow, some way we came to God. I don't even know how it got there. And then I just remember we both cried and hugged each other. I'm like, dude, like what is happening? Like we can, um, That's awesome. and then it's funny because our friends walked out and like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, yeah. like what, what happened? And like, <laughs> no, man, yeah, God's real, you know? And, um, <laughs> and it's just, it was a surreal moment, and, like, that was just another small step of God. Like, it kind of felt like he just kind of, like, put his hand on my shoulder, like, I'm here. Like, you know, um, from there, you know, I still didn't really change my life a whole lot. Um, mm -hmm. And then I went to this this show uh, my senior year in high school. Um, um, I'm, a, I'm a metal fan, and I went to a show. It was in Joy, 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 I can never say it right, Joliet, Illinois. Joliet, yeah, Joliet. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I went there on a school night, funny enough, and uh one of my favorite bands are called Gideon. They were playing there. Um, and at that time, unfortunately, I have to say at that time, because they were a Christian band at that time, they're not anymore. But, yeah. um, so um, they were playing. So we went there, traveled, got there. And I remember they were playing one of their songs, and it's called Gutter. And the lyric, uh, and then one of the lyrics in the song was, uh, you never give up on me. You never stop letting me know that you're right here beside me. Yeah. Uh, you never give up. You never give up. And he said, God, show me the way. And I remember just bawling, like I just started crying, and like I couldn't. It's the energy. It's like it's almost as if no one else was in that room. Like mm -hmm. it was chaos, utter chaos all around me. But I just remember looking at that guy, and he was looking. It's so cool. It was such a cool moment because he wasn't even looking at us. He was looking up. Mm -hmm. It was just. It's like he was talking to God in that moment, and um, it just spoke to me. It just hit me, and I just started crying. And again, that was another step. Like just these small little moments in my life, like relating to things that I enjoy and love, he just kept sticking his head in there. And then eventually, um, the, you know, the big moment was, you know, coming here, coming, coming to church at the remnant. Um, you know, I met a girl and we started dating and she, you know, she invited me here and I was open to coming because even though I was never really comfortable in the church, I was still open to God because I remembered, like I remembered what Jeez. he had done. That's right. Yeah. I had remembered, like, I still, like, I still believe in God. Like, I don't, like, I don't hear from him. I don't really know what he is or who Jesus is. I don't know any of this stuff. You know, there's something there. Mm, yeah. Exactly. So <clears throat> she brought me and I just instantly fell in love with everybody. And I just kept coming, you know, and, and everyone treated me so well and just took me in. And, uh, I was really just, I was listening. I was truly listening, you know, to the message. And, um, as time went on, it was just becoming more and more evident of how real it was. And then um, I'll never forget, uh, you were doing a sermon, and uh, you just you just used your fingers, but you, you know you said, you know, life on this earth is this big, and life after is this big. And when you did that, I just remember like, like this like wave, like just this rush, like I felt like, like over me. And I was like, I remember that moment of just snap, and I was like, I have to change. 
like I have to do something. Like I know I'm not living right. You know, and if and if I want to do this, like it has to be real to me. Like I have to I have to stop doing A, B, C, and D. Like I just have to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, and um from that moment on, that's when my journey actually began. That's when I actually started trying to take steps and making, you know, uh living for Jesus, you know, even though at that time I still didn't fully know, like, uh, but I was learning and I was, I was, my mind was opening up more and more to his understanding and, and the way he was living and like, uh, like, well, yeah, the way he was living and just reading and all these things. And like from there on, even to now, like, that's just, that was the moment. And then I do remember actually the moment I actually told you guys as a Christian, it was at a life group where I was just like, Hey, like, like I'm a Christian. Now. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like, uh, and and it was cool because like man like everyone was just so happy and like they were so excited to see what was gonna happen and it's just it's cool to reflect back on that moment now because that's a moment I don't really think about too often is sure. is the time actually I was like hey I said it like and um and so much has happened since then but yeah I would say those those are some key moments there's probably more but that's so one of the things that is interesting is a lot of people know you're really involved here and you do you really dove in mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know uh, I remember someone saying this one time I don't remember where. But we're together a lot, and it was like, oh, I would have never known you didn't, you know, only been a Christian for however many years, two years, three years, whatever it is. I think mm-hmm. two now, right? Like you'd really yeah, say. Yeah, for real, too. <clears throat> and, um, you know, your family, they're not Christian, not believers, right? Mm-hmm. You're good people, not believers. You know, you don't have any uh, roots, I guess, you know, as, as far as, like, that kind of support. And you're yeah. pretty close to your family, too. So yeah. what has been, you know, I don't know, man, if you were to tell someone... You know this is real, right? Mm-hmm. What did Jesus do for you? Like, what, what, what truths did you realize? What lies did He free you from? What chains did you know He open your eyes to? You know, we talk mm-hmm. a lot about when Jesus says, "Do you want to be healed?" Yeah, and we know that means more than just life, right? It, can, it means it, you know, that sin nature. But I mean, yes. in your life, what was it, man? What is it that makes you still walk this out? What is, what is it? Does that make sense? Yes, I know that's a general question. So, I would say. What's been the most eye-opening, I guess, in a way, like, as you're a mm-hmm. believer now? Most eye-opening was the truth. Like, I didn't know what real freedom was. Mm-hmm. And people who don't believe, they're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. But you get it. Like, it's it's supernatural. I literally cannot explain it. It's literally, when you decide to put your faith in Jesus Christ, it changes you. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, it's sealed. <laughs> that Holy Spirit comes into you and, like, you see things differently. Like, it, it, you can't look at things the same. You can try to go back, but you can't. I've tried. <laughs> like, like yeah. you literally can't do it. And, like, I think part of that seal, like, that Holy Spirit coming inside of you and sealing inside of you is you realize how empty everything else in the world is mm. without God. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You know, I... I have always been a dreamer. So, you know, I played music and I loved it. But when I look back on it, it wasn't... It was empty because I was, there was no reason behind it. There was no true meaning. I was just doing it, you know, like, because mm-hmm. I liked it. You know, when you put your faith in Christ, it puts a meaning behind everything you do. Mm-hmm. And that is special because mm-hmm. that, that gives you a purpose no matter what you're doing. Like, because you're doing it for him now. It's not just for you. It's, that's why they say life's not about you anymore because mm-hmm. The whole purpose of it then is to tell people about Jesus, you know, and that fulfills you. And people don't understand exactly. that yes. if you haven't exactly because you're putting value in all these things that are going to fall, that are going to, you know, they're not stable. You know, mm. a relationship. That's that's what I that, that's what my thing was 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 women relationships. I put all my chips in on on relationships and my value. And every t- every single time it fall apart, and I didn't get it, and it would hurt, and I had you know, and God even though it hurt, had to take that away, but he gave it back. And I think it's because he realizes like, okay, he gets it now. You know, mm-hmm. that you can handle this now. Yes, yeah. exactly. Cause I don't know, man, it's just, it's such a special thing. Like I said, like you, you, you experience what real freedom is. So good, man. If you were, what, what is, what are some words that would describe you now compared to old AJ that now that you're, you know, about your, about who you are, even, you know, um, you said it hurt a little. What's different? I, if I were to put into a word, just a few things. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I would say now um, I am I'm humbled. Mm. Um, I don't think I was as humble as I thought I was then. Um, I would say that I am 
joyful, mm. even though people, you know, people who knew me before this, like, they knew I was, like, the joke guy, like, the fun guy, but, like, underneath it was sadness mm. all the time, like, and I just didn't admit it ever, you know, I can, I can actually say now, like, even though I still face those challenges, I can say I'm, I'm joyful, mm. I know that I've won, and that none of this, like, it's over. Like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that does bring peace and joy mm-hmm. and freedom. And so I would say joyful. Um, and even though life's crazy and can be chaotic, I'm more stable than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. You know, because it doesn't matter if, oh, it doesn't matter how many storms are around me right now or were or will be in the future. I know that I'm planted. You know, I got that rock. I'm mm-hmm. on that solid foundation. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I can't remember what three I just said, but <laughs> it was uh, it was no, stable, good. stable, humble, and joyful. Yeah, there we go. So, and I know you know this. It, we've dropped this for them again. Like we got a documentary. We hope to release today. Mm-hmm. One of the questions we asked is, "Who is Jesus to you?" Mm. You know, who is Jesus to you? Man, Jesus is man. He's he's my he's my Lord and Savior. Um, Jesus is is the definition of love. Mm. you know he is he is the way like that's the you know people probably think it's cliche because it's like oh it says that in the bible that's why it says in the bible (laughs) like like he is the way the truth and the life Mm -hmm. like and from my experiences looking at all that it's it's that's real like Mm. so you know i look at jesus as you know yeah lord and savior love um everything everything that i'm meant to be this is in here if, so if you could say anything to them, you know, mm-hmm. as we kind of close out to the congregation, what would yeah. you, is there anything you'd want to say to them at all, just in general? Yeah. Um, give them a look-see. So, <laughs> so uh, give them a look-see. Um, first off, I love you guys so much. Um, for y- all of you who have been here since I first started coming, you guys have taken me in and made me, you know, a brother. Um, you've made me family. And um, you guys took me in at a crucial time in my life where I was directionless. I... I didn't know where I was going, um, and you guys mean the world to me. Um, I love you. Um, I get emotional thinking about it. Um, you know, you guys have taken a kid who didn't know what he was doing, who who didn't think there was a meaning to life, who didn't think that uh, he was worth anything, and you guys turned him into a man. You turned him into... A person who gets it now, who's part of the family, who's invested, and that's because of your guys' faithfulness and your guys' joy and your guys' is just, man, your love. So thank you. All right, man. You know, uh, everyone knows this. I love you, dude. I'm proud of you. I think there's way more to your story than we would even have time to do, but, um, you know, and someday I'm sure people, hopefully this inspires people to ask you, you know, even about your life right before here. You know, we've yeah. talked about some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, giving you guys a, a clue, go ask him and he'll share. But it's cool to see, man. It's been a incredible testimony in your life uh, to me. And you're making a lot of impact. And I'm just uh, I'm thankful for you. Love you, man. Yeah, thank Appreciate you so much. You. Yeah. Thank you. My allergies acted up a little bit there. Yeah. Very proud of that guy. Um, what a powerful statement. And hopefully you weren't doing what humans tend to do and zone out and think about mcdonald's or breakfast or whatever else because you might have missed something uh you took me in in a crucial moment in my life when i was directionless i didn't know where i was going you changed my life with your joy and with your love man after god had prepared the soil in his life all these moments god chased him pursued him moved after him, chased him all the way into the, into the doors of this church. Matthew 18.20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. You see, God didn't just chase A.J. to a building. The Holy Spirit chased A.J. into the doors of the church. Jesus pulled A.J. into his arms where he always is among his people. And see, that's why I get so frustrated sometimes. Because you don't understand that and you sit inside the walls of your church saved, partying and thinking that you deserve everything you want when people are dying. 
When you're so focused on how cold it is or how hot it is or whether someone's mad at you or someone didn't say hi to you or someone didn't give you what you wanted when you came in or Todd didn't come and talk to you yesterday or the worship's too loud or every other thing you complain about, while people, while you sit, Scripture tells us, and you have this right, you are saved, you are heirs, you are co-heirs with Christ, you are saints. You, if you want to sit in the walls of the castle and complain, you can't. But make no mistake about it that people outside are dying. And I think sometimes some of you have been Christians so long that you forget that. Or you became Christians and you bought into something that isn't the gospel. You bought into that this is about you. It isn't about you. You may not like that, but that's reality. It is about God, first and foremost. And it is about how you treat the rest of his people. See, God's going to take care of you. That's the reason he says the second greatest commandment is to love others as yourself, because it isn't about you taking care of yourself. And our selfishness stops us sometimes from really loving people, from walking into the church doors and to watch some of us sit there and act miserable. When a, when a kid walks in and says, this changed my life, and you walk in mad because you had to get up early, or you had to go to church late, or whatever else lie that you tell yourself justifies your poor behavior. I talk to myself too. There's a powerful lesson at the beginning of Acts that's directly to this. If you've been at the remnant, we've talked about it many times. Acts chapter 2, but don't put it up yet. I know you. Okay, the context here is, what happens in Acts is Jesus comes, he says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send something to you. I'm going to send you a counselor, I'm going to send you a power, I'm, going to, I'm not going to leave you alone. And he leaves, and they all get together, and they're pretty much going, what do we do? What do we do now? And as they do, it says, the Holy Spirit, I'm feeling it right now, came down like a fire and touched all of them and changed their lives. And when this happened, Peter, the guy who before had denied Christ that everybody looked at and said, you're not good enough because I, I promise you, just because Jesus restored him, the people hadn't yet, which, by the way, is so true of us. Jesus says, give someone a name, and you decide they deserve a different name. So he stands up and he preaches, and it's crazy. That alone is such a story. Go read where, Jesus deni- or where Peter denies them, and then go, skip, just skip to Acts chapter 2, and you tell me if that's the same person. 3,000 people put their faith in him right then, in Jesus Christ, when a fisherman tells a story. And then they all start living together and spending time together and worshiping together and eating together. And then we pick up in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So those who accepted his message, that's Peter's, were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. Fellowship, that's community. That's community. Well, I don't like people. Then you don't get it. That's community. To the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the praise. Breaking of bread, that doesn't mean you go and just pull a loaf of bread off, right? That's eating together. Because humans, I don't know, at the end of the day, that's what we like to eat, and we do our best talking when we're eating, right? And to the prayers. Jump down to verse 46. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex. But you get upset, you got to go for two hours on a Sunday. They met every day. Because they wanted to. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They went to each other's houses. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude. Joyful and humble. Hmm. I'm convicted. You joyful and humble today? I'm looking at your faces. You're not. Some of you aren't. Right? You might be humble because you don't like yourself. You think that's being humble. But you're not joyful. He's, he's really offending me. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Oof. How fascinating that they were eating together, worshiping together, spending time together, and that made people like them. I don't have any friends, but I don't spend time with anyone. They should come to my house and knock every day and tell me to come outside and play. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Huh. So let me, let's, so the Holy Spirit empowers them 
empowers those that put their faith in Jesus, comes down. Peter preaches the first sermon. The people respond, put their faith in Jesus. It changes how they live and treat each other. They begin to live in deep community. What does that describe? It's church. That's church. They had church service that day, and then people started living church. And then, here's what's crazy about it. People saw the way they were living, and we're going, well, those guys are weird. They really are nice to each other. I wish someone was nice to me. I should go over there and listen to what they're saying. Then they get drawn in, and then God saves them, and it says every day, every day, the Lord added to them those who were being saved. The tone of this message that was written was not as fiery as I am giving it. So, uh, it was supposed to be a joyful celebration, but I think I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit because this is something that, how do I say this? If the remnant becomes just another church, I don't want to do it. Listen to me. I don't want to do it. I don't like church enough, the game of church, to do it. I'm not good at it. I've said you, it's not, I'm not good at it. Okay? I t- I'm too loud. I'm too boisterous. I, I don't dress the right way. I'm grumpy. Whatever else words you come up with. Okay? I get fired up in flag football and we get destroyed because our team quits. Whatever else you want to say, right? This stuff is, re- that happens. How do you think churches become what we all, by the way, all Christians complain about? Because when we always say other churches, somebody's the other churches. And those churches are saying somebody, how does that happen? It happens because churches are made up of people. And people's spiritual health affects the spiritual health of a church. I am so tired of people saying that they want to be leaders because they want a title that tells something, but they can't walk in with a smile on their face. Are you kidding me? You're not the only ones with with a hard life. You're not the only one that has a a tough marriage. You're not the only one that's got financial struggles. You're not the only one that's hurting and lonely and broken that day. You're not the only one that Todd offended that minute, probably. The thing that he said that was so interesting, and this is why I love it, is he said, if this is going to be real, then it needs to be real. If I'm going to do this, it needs to be real. I get mad because I do remember what it is. I got invited to the party, but I remember what it was like outside the castle. And I come in and I see you sitting there partying, thinking you were owed something. And I can't stand it. I can't stand it because you don't understand what you have. We are arrogant and we are selfish. And even as I say it, the first thing that comes to your mind are all the excuses of why he's not talking about me. I'm talking to myself, so I guarantee you I'm talking to you. Grow up. Some of you have been Christians for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, but you're four years old spiritually. Because when someone doesn't give you your bottle, you get upset. Life isn't about playing games. Life isn't about, um, you know, just sex or alcohol or money or your house or whatever, your video games or whatever. It's more than that. Those things are all fine to enjoy in the proper context, guys. But when you understand that people like AJ may have never, never been saved. Now, that being said, you're you're special. Your people are good people. But I don't want us to lose that. And I think we're losing it sometimes. Some of you want a remnant, smaller, growing, passionate church experience with large church expectations. It doesn't matter if I don't go, I don't want to go. Then go find one with 5,000 people because they have a purpose. And those, I'm serious. I, you know, I would love to have the impact some of these large churches have, but they can't give you what you want when you want it. But that's okay as long as they don't hold you accountable to anything. This isn't McDonald's. So what do we take from this? Well, this definitely had a different tone than I anticipated. What do we take from all this? Guys, listen, God lives among his people. Matthew, Jesus told us that. That's nice, Todd. No, it's, I, I want to come and throw this across the room so you really get it. Jesus said, where two of you, or three, one, two, three, four, five, we're already there, are gathered in his name, he is there. He's here right now, right in this moment. He's in this room. Now, 
if he's in this room and he is God, does he know what you're thinking? Does he know what you're feeling? Does he know how you're acting? Yeah. So he's in this room. So he's in his, he, and here's the thing. So Jesus is here with us. God is here. And, and he uses his body with a capital B. His body, it says all of us are part of the body of Christ. He is the head. We make up the body of Christ. Uh, Peter tells us uh, things later on too where we are, we're living stones. We, when we come together, we make the temple. This is the temple right now. And I don't get it either. I don't get it because I know I'm a screwball and I'm not great at things. But for some reason, he uses us to point people to him. Not monkeys or trees or, you know, he'll do that, right, creation. But he uses us to minister to people. So how you live in community and how you approach church matters. It matters. Going to church is not always about you. Now listen to me. Maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe you're tired. Maybe all of these things are happening. And maybe you won't even talk to someone. But listen, if there's one, if it's just me preaching to a bunch of empty chairs, is the guy who doesn't know Jesus that walks in going to stay and listen? No. He's going to think I'm a weirdo. And he's going to walk outside. So you being here is one extra person who adds one extra person who adds one extra person we're not even talking yet about seeing us live life. You coming creates the atmosphere in which God uses and moves. So when you wake up and you don't feel like going because I don't need to hear it today. I need rest. I'm overwhelmed. I need to take a Sabbath. You got seven days a week and you pick your day of Sabbath on the day God, te- God wants us to gather together. That's irrational. God's telling me to skip church day. No, he's not. He's not telling you that. Now listen, before you say that and walk out of here and say Todd's a cult and he tells everyone to always come and like take a snake and bite you or whatever else you're thinking, that isn't what I'm saying. I'm just saying quit lying to yourself. You know when you just don't want to go and you're justifying. I know. Let me give you a little hint because you guys probably think, you think I want to be here every week. You are under the impression that emotionally I want to be here every week. I love you guys, and I think you're special, but sometimes you're just crabby. And sometimes I literally walk in, and I'm like, I'm walking right back out. Right? I know, and I walk in crabby too. I get it. It's a big cycle. Going to church is not always about you. It's about the, your brothers and sisters and about the AJs that walk in. Do you make an effort? So that's the first thing. God lives among his people and uses his body to minister and point people to him. Okay? That's, that's number one. Number two. Do you make an effort to minister to your church family and to love them? Let's not even talk about the ages. Do you make an effort to minister to and love your church family? Or are you in the corner going, don't want to play with me? There's a lot of you guys that sit in the corner. Now, we love you enough to come over in the corner. But if I'm not approaching you every week, it's probably because I'm, like, I'm tired of going in the corner. Because even Miles, when I go in there and I say, hey, buddy, don't throw a fit, okay? I'll see you after. He's like, okay. Talking to myself so you don't get offended. It's too late. Do you make an effort to minister to your church family and to love them? What does that mean? Does that mean when you walk in these church doors, let's just say on Sunday, let's start there. We don't even say every day, right? Oh, man, can you imagine if Todd told you to meet every day with your church family? You guys can't handle it. You got too many meetings. We'll start with one. When you walk in, do you look for ways to love them? Do you look for it? When you walk in, do you look around and say, how can I love someone in this room today at meal? Sometimes loving them, smiling at them. Did you know that? Sometimes loving them is coming and joking. Do you know I don't like being a clown all the time? Did you know that? Sometimes I feel like a joke. No amen. Anyway, right? I do it because sometimes that's what makes people feel comfortable. That's the truth. I'm being real with you. And that's okay, and I'll keep doing it because I love you guys. And I hope when I'm having a bad day, you'll come love me. That's what this is all about. Do you seek out ways to love people? Some of you do. Some of you are so amazing at this. You are an inspiration to me. I, I'm serious. I look at you and I walk away convicted by your very life. I'm like, gosh, why can't I be like them? I can. And I think about what Jesus said when he's talking about his disciples and he says, you know what? They won't know you by the miracles you do. They won't know you by the times you go. They're going to know you by your love for one another. They'll know your mind by how you love each other. Love is an action, not a feeling. That doesn't mean if, you, if you're in this room and you're like, I don't always feel love, I'm a monster, that's not true. 
What separates a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ from anyone else is not what they feel, it's what they do with that feeling. Do you choose to love when you don't feel it? What else we take from this? If you're in this room or you're in this place and you can hear this, maybe you're somebody that can relate to AJ's story right now today. See, some of you in this room, I have found out, I know, I know you don't know Jesus. You know who he is. You come every week. And sometimes I get guilty that maybe you worship the church instead of him because it gives you that, that human interaction. But listen to me, the only thing that makes this place special is him. He is the point. And any good you see in the remnant is just a poor reflection of his glory. Are you in this room today and you can relate to AJ? That you believe in God but you don't know God? Maybe you're even a step farther. You know Jesus. They say Jesus is the Son of God, but you don't know him. I heard a heartbreaking story just this week that happened. These people have come here forever. Don't try to guess. We get 100 people that come a week. You're not going to guess. And they, they come to things, and they even do the right thing, and they worship and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, when asked if they've made a confession with their lips and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, they said, no, I'm not ready for that step. I'll get to, I need to get closer to God first. <laughs> That's like standing on the other side of the Grand Canyon and say, when I float over there, you need a bridge. If you have never in your life confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, I cannot promise you you're saved. If you have the ability to speak, right? God knows your heart. Because listen, this is very important. I love the honesty of one of these people. This person's been coming to stuff. He said, I don't want to make that commitment. He knew that somehow when he said the words, he literally refused to pray the prayer. When he said those words, it meant something. That is pride. It is a surrender, and if you're in this room and you have never surrendered, then I cannot promise you, based on Scripture, that you will be with God. You believe in Jesus, but you don't know God. You've heard of, um, I mean, you believe in God, but don't know God. You've heard of Jesus, but don't know Jesus. If you see something different here, I'll say it again. Let me tell you what that is. It isn't us. It is God himself pursuing you, even now, at this moment, today. She's going to come play some music. And I want you to think about this, brothers and sisters. Let me preface by saying I truly, with all my fire, and it's because I don't want us to become that, I think you're the greatest people in the world. I know I'm biased, but I do. I think you are the greatest people in the world. I think you are a part of a movement you don't even understand yet. I don't care anymore. I'm not afraid to say it. I think that there are churches across the United States, across the world, that are doing the same thing, but not all of them. I think you are a part of a movement that God himself is orchestrating to burn down the things that we have added that don't matter, that separate the people who don't know him from him, who tell them that they can't be good enough for him, who tell them they have to clean up first. You are part of something special. I believe that in my heart of hearts. I have had, uh, uh, for if I've ever had a vision in my life, I've had one. I'm not, I don't talk about this often because I know how people are. I've had one in my life and I've told about three people because I don't trust everyone. And I'm telling you, you are part of something different. You are special. But what makes you special, as great as you are, is what he does through you. It's what you're willing to do. It's your obedience. It's you're willing to be radical. It's you're willing to be crazy. I used to care and want everyone here, right? I just, yeah, come, but now I don't. I want the people out that aren't crazy. So you're here and you're like, I don't fit that church mold. I know. Thank God. Because what we're trying to do, although there's so many, you know, people take what I say to mean that I'm criticizing other churches. I'm not, but I will criticize churches that don't preach the full gospel. I will criticize a message that tells people that it's about them being good enough and not about Jesus being good enough. I will criticize that. And if some church out there hears this and gets mad about it, then that's on them. Take it to God because I won't stop. And you shouldn't either. You're good people, but let me ask you something. Do you treat your Sunday church as more as about, I'm sorry, as something more than just for you? Do you? Really? I want to cry because people are dying and you don't understand it. It makes me so mad. I'm a nerd. 
nerd, so I see things in pictures. Some of you have been raised in the palace since you were an infant. You have been given the best of milk. You've been given the best of formula. You have been dressed in fine clothes. You have been told who he is. You know the king well, and you have become spoiled. Not all of you. Some of you have this amazing ability to have been raised in the palace and still remember who makes you a prince or a princess. But not everyone. Your position doesn't exist to provide you with luxury or what you want. Your position in the kingdom exists so that other people can come home too. So you can tell them about your father. Is Sunday church is something more than just for you? Do you see it as one body on mission together? Well, I'm just a finger. Yeah, you ever tried to throw a ball, right? I don't throw well with five. Can you imagine throwing well with, without one? Even if you're the pinky, right? You matter. Do you look for ways to love and serve, serve each other? Or have you, this is so important, my friends, I, now I, I'm going to be gentle because I, I know your hearts. I know this isn't what you want to be. But in this room, have you become bitter? Are you bitter? Because see what happens, I had a, I've talked with one of my brothers in this church this week about bitterness. And we talked about it. And this is what bitterness is. Whether it's part of our sin nature, where the enemy plants it, I can promise you this. He loves to water that weed. Because as it goes into your heart and infects it all. Like you ever pulled a weed and it touches everything. What happens is that it affects every single part of you. The way you see things, the way you live, the way you approach your faith. Privately and publicly. Are you bitter? need to forgive do you need to admit that you've been holding against God himself something that's happened in your life that has nothing to do with him maybe you tell yourself why did he let these why does he let this person treat me this way why does he let this happen maybe you've forgotten the promise and if you forget the promise then this whole thing is pretty hard to live out have you become self-seeking? Are you overly critical? Is every time you come to church, the only thing you can think are all the negatives, and every time you walk out, you just talk about how so-and-so didn't do something? Some of you have spouses that you let affect your faith. You know it's wrong, but you let it affect your faith. Instead of putting your foot down and being a rock and saying, I'm not going to do this. I, I, even if you won't, I will. Do you forget that you don't have to go to church, but you get to come to church and worship with your brothers and sisters? You don't because maybe you forget, right? You take for granted your position. understand that there are people that walk through these doors whose first impressions of Jesus and the gospel will be, will be colored by you and the way that the people in this church live and love each other what if AJ had walked in and all he heard was the bickering and the grumbling and the complaining and the negativity and so and so is dressed this way and look they have tattoos and I heard Todd was doing this and on and on and on what do you think he's gonna do it didn't right you did it right, but it's a thin line between right and wrong. Do you need to repent and change? Are you a believer in this room that truly, this, I can't catch you, you need to repent to God about your attitude towards your church because you will never get out of your community what you want if you are bitter. Are you in this room and you're on the other side, you're an AJ, and I love you, man. God's chased you your whole life. Your whole life, right now. Has chased you your whole life and has led you into this room on this day and right into the arms of Jesus. That's reality. This is not a coincidence. That's, that's in my notes. She said it earlier. That's Holy Spirit. This is not a coincidence. You are here today for a reason. You are loved and pursued. The reality is, if you're in the room and you don't know who Jesus is, it's really simple. Jesus is love. Jesus is life. Jesus is the way. 
He's the truth. He's the way that God, He is God. When we messed everything up, when we disobeyed Him, all the bad things you do, when you spat in God's face, when you sin, we separate ourselves from God. And, and God said, I cannot be with you if you are sinful. I cannot be with you if you are not holy, because I am holy. And the Bible says that your sins have stored up wrath for yourself. There's punishment waiting for you. And before you say that isn't fair, if we let a murderer off death row, hey, it's okay, you're a good person the rest of your life, but it's all right that you murdered someone, go home. You don't do that. Why? That's not just. You don't make the standards the king does, and he says you're guilty. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that's a problem. And that's the problem with the heartbreaking thing that this other person said. I just want to get closer to God first. You can't. Unless there's a way home, a bridge. So God came down, form of man, Jesus Christ. Fully God, fully man. I know it's a mystery. It's weird. He lived, breathed like us. Taught us what the kingdom's like. Taught us the right way. And then he did something incredible. Because it wouldn't be, it would be so cruel to tell us the way we could live and then not empower us to do so. It'd be so crazy to tell us that we could be in relationship with the Father but not take us home. And so he didn't do that. What he did was become a bridge. And on the cross, Jesus Jesus Christ died on the cross a terrible physical death. It's a fact. But he also took a different kind of death, a spiritual death in a sense. The Father turned his back on the Son, this perfect man, for 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 your sin, your mistakes understand that? You nailed him to the cross and so did I. But on the cross something incredible happened. After he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said these beautiful words, it's finished. And when he died, the veil torn in the temple, the thing that separated the Holy of Holies, God's spirit from us, and now God can be restored to us. And how does that happen? We put our faith in him. God says, the Bible says, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. That's it today and if you haven't hear me friends you can like him and you'll be changed just by being close to him a little bit but you can't have life without fully accepting and surrendering to him and just like AJ said right he I love it he didn't even know it I'm so proud of him he said I knew parts of it but I didn't get it it wasn't until the moment that he said right I'm a Christian now I confessed I did it that it became real He would tell you himself, he's not special. He is, but he's not. It's Jesus in him. So if you're in this room and you're that, don't leave today without knowing who he is, without knowing Jesus Christ. You don't have to. There's people up here that will be praying with you, waiting to pray with you. I had someone pray with me. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't. So don't leave today. Don't worry about who's watching you, who isn't. Just make it about you and God. Whatever way you need to respond. And if you're in this room and you've been living in bitterness, why don't you go confess that to your brothers and sisters? Why don't you just pray? can do it at your at your chair that's fine but these people will pray with you because sometimes we need to do that whatever you do don't leave the same as you came in because if you do you're choosing